Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Friends, hello again and welcome. It is so good to have you along for the next 10 or 15 minutes as we talk about how to navigate and live faithfully and wisely in these crazy, extraordinary times we find ourselves in. It is the 14th of March as I speak. National emergency was declared yesterday in this country, and there is great fear of what is called the coronavirus, COVID-19, and we've all read and heard enough about that. I don't need to say anything further about that, but it is an extraordinary time with the interruption of our lives. And I'm wondering if we could talk about that again for these next few minutes. So it was Monday, and a friend of ours, closer friend of my wife than of mine, uh, approached my wife and gave her an envelope. And she opened the envelope. There was a really nice note in there. And then there was also a stack of cash in the envelope. And she said to my wife, whose name is Amy Jo, she said, God just led me to give this to you and Sean. And I'm not sure why, but I just want to give it to you. And so there were $130 in that envelope. And uh, Amy Joe came into my office and shared it with me. And of course, I was like, what are we going to do with the money? And she said, well, it's really for us to bless someone else with. And of course, I said, well, I, I, I stuttered a little bit. So I, I knew that. I'm sure of that. No, I, I, I really did assume that's what it was. But what an interesting opportunity. Just go bless someone. And so we've had a good time this week thinking about who can we bless. And so we're considering folks whose financial lives might be interrupted because of the coronavirus. Maybe people who are working in the service industry. Maybe someone who cuts hair or who um, works as a waitress or a waiter or server. You know, we're, we're just thinking about how to do that. And I love the image that we're going to be able to bless someone with resources that are not our own. So that money we're going to share, we didn't earn that money. We didn't win that money. It's not the result of an inheritance. It's not the result of interest gained on an investment. We were merely given $130 with the charge to go bless someone's life with that. And it occurs to me that that is a, a wonderful model for stewardship of life in general, that everything you and I have is a gift from God. We didn't earn it. We didn't win it. Uh, It's not the result of any effort of our own. It is all a gift from God, and we are merely stewards of that, and so those resources pass through our hands. And during this extraordinary week, uh, it occurs to me that extraordinary times like these also offer extraordinary opportunities. And I want to go down that road with you for a few minutes in this podcast. The sermon series I'm preaching at the church I serve, which is CrestviewChurch.com, Crestview Presbyterian Church. The sermon series is focusing on the I Am statements of Jesus. And the one I'm actually preaching tomorrow is the statement where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And the image is that, that Jesus is the source And we are the branches that bear the fruit. And so what I'd like to do 
using the whole image of vine and branches and God the Father as the gardener is just kind of work through that with you and think about the consequence of that statement on your life and my life this week. And so let's just kind of go down through the passage. It's John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, I'll, I'll read the text to you. So again, 15 verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. The first thing that jumps out at my jumps at my eye is the word true. I am the true vine. In other words, he doesn't say I'm the only vine. So if he's the true vine, there must be other vines. And there also must be false vines. Uh, I'm sure the people who heard this in the first century, the Hebrews, probably thought about the notion that their prophetic writers and teachers centuries before had defined Israel, the people of God, as his vineyard. And so in Isaiah chapter 5, for example, here's what the prophet says. Now I will tell you what I will do, to my, do with my vineyard. This is God speaking to his people. I'll take away its hedge and it'll be destroyed. I'll make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated it, and briars and thorns will grow there. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are the garden of his delight. And the Lord looked for justice in his garden, but he saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. In other words, God says to them, I gave you everything, but you did not bear the fruit that I sowed. I sowed certain seeds, and you, rather than showing love and grace, showed oppression and injustice and violence. And of course, the prophet was foretelling uh, the fall of Jerusalem that would happen down the road with the Assyrians and also the Babylonians. So Jesus is saying, while Israel had its failures, that vineyard, I do not. I am the true vine. And so then he continues on in verse 5, I am the vine, you, you're the branches, that's you and me. So he's our vine, we're connected to him, and we're the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the pattern is established for how we are to look at life. Uh, the Father, we, we live in this, this great garden. The Father is the gardener. The Son, Jesus, is the vine. And you and I, we're the branches. And in that passage, he introduces us to certain themes. One is the theme of remaining with him and also the theme of bearing much fruit. So when Jesus says these words, it's in what's called the farewell discourse. He is getting ready to physically leave his disciples. You know, the crucifixion and the resurrection, that is, that is on the horizon as it is in our own celebrations as Christians today. And what he's saying is, stay connected to me. And if you stay connected to me, you will bear good fruit. Now, there's a difference when you and I think about plants. There are ornamental plants, and then there are fruit-bearing plants that, that provide food. Ornamental plants, they're beautiful, they're fun to look at, but certain ornamental plants produce berries that'll make you sick. They're poisonous. Fruit-bearing plants are provided for our sustenance. God is saying to you and to me in, this course, in the course of this crazy wild week we're living in, that could extend for months, who knows, you're not an ornamental plant. You are a fruit-bearing plant. 
And so I want you to remain in me. So what does it look like to remain in, in God? So and let me just interrupt myself right now. What we're doing is we're just looking at the passage. Then we're going to step back, circle back, and draw some conclusions and think about what we can learn from it. So he continues on. What does it mean to remain in Christ? Well, verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love. And so we remain in him by loving him. You know, love is not just sentimental. It's not just a feeling. Love is connected in this to obedience. We obey his commands. And then he summarizes his commands in verses 12 and 13. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. So that is the summary of the commandments. Love is active. You and I are to build our lives around the structure of loving God and loving other people. That's how we stay connected to Him. And so let's do some takeaways now and some ideas from that passage. You know, this week was a week of interruptions, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't it? It was, it was just a week of being slowed down. You know, school interrupted, travel interrupted, commerce interrupted, entertainment interrupted, the NCAA basketball tournament <sighs> interrupted. I mean, oh. And what it reminds me is that our schedule is not our own. You and I think that we have our agendas. We think that we have our schedules and they're going to work out, but our schedules and our agendas, they're not our own. And, and we know this um, Intuitively, I mean, you know, we've all made plans for our lives and seen those plans interrupted. I had a plan for my life. I knew when I was 20 years old who I was going to marry. I knew where I was going to go to law school. I knew what city I was going to live in. I knew what part of the city I was going to live in. I knew who I was going to hang out with. I knew where I was going to play golf. None of those worked out. And I am blessed to say that God worked a much greater plan than the one I had for my life. So we know that our plans are not our own. We know that our schedules are not our own. But here's what I want us to think about. God has a plan for your week this week. God has a plan for you and me. God has something he wants us to do. Again, verse 15, chapter 3, If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. God's plan for our week is for you and me to stay connected to him. That's what God wants us to do. And God wants us to bear much fruit, not just a little fruit, not just some fruit, not just fruit in general, but much fruit. That's what God wants. And he's saying to us, the branches, you and me, in this arrangement where God is the gardener, he is the vine, we're the branches. The branches, you don't run the show. You don't dictate what you're going to do. If you're connected with me, here's what your life is going to, to look like. You're going to bear much fruit. And so one of our challenges for the week is just to, to use this time of interruption, this extraordinary time, to deepen and strengthen our connection to our Lord. I mean, the Bible is filled with examples of people who are connected to one another. And in these stories of connection, we see great things and great fruit borne out. I mean, Joshua was connected to Moses. 
Joshua walked with Moses. Joshua learned from Moses. Joshua became the one who led God's people across the river into the promised land. That's what Joshua did, but it was a result of his connection to Moses. Elisha was connected to Elijah, the great prophets. Elisha basically viewed Elijah as a mentor. He, it's like he shadowed him at work. And the Bible explains that Elisha in his life actually performed more miracles and did every bit as much prophetic work as Elijah did. Why? Because he was connected to him. You, you know the story of Ruth and Naomi, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. Ruth stayed with Naomi. She said to Naomi, I'm going to go where you go. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. And we see that eventually Ruth became the one who married Boaz, and she became the great-grandmother of King David. The lives of Elisha and Joshua and Ruth were strengthened and made more fruitful because of the people they were connected to. And so the key thought for you and me to ponder this week is, to whom am I connected? What is the vine that I am connecting my life to? What is the vine that I am attached to? What is the vine that is feeding me as a branch? I mean, this week, let's just kind of talk kind of out there a little bit. If, if my vine and your vine was a Dow Jones Industrial Average, we had a really bad week. If our vine was travel, we had a really bad week. If our vine was peace and prosperity, we had a really bad week. If our vine was just, you know, the government making sure everything's okay, we had a really bad week. If our vine was entertainment, we had a really bad week. What is the vine that you and I are attached to? And one of the ways we can do that is to remain with him and to, to stay with him. And so Paul picked up on this concept of fruit. You know, we are going to bear much fruit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is, is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness. And so you and I, as we stay connected to Christ, we start looking for opportunities to sow those seeds in the lives of the people around us. It's an extraordinary time. It is a time of extraordinary opportunity to sow the seeds of love and joy and peace and goodness all around us. This is what God is already doing, and this is what Jesus is pushing you and me to do in our lives. You see, I believe this. The sovereign God has placed you and me where we are. And so we're to look around. How can I be of use to him in this place right now? What can I do with my financial resources? What can I do with my time? What can I do with my gifts? What can I do with my stuff that will sow those seeds of love and peace and patience and goodness? That's what God is calling us to do in our lives right now. And so for you and me, what we have to do is remain in him. The idea of remaining in him means that we are steadfast, that we are patient, that we hang in there and we hang on there. We just remain with him. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish and it'll be given to you. In other words, God wants to, 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 to grant our prayers because our prayers are, are flowing out of our relationship with him. I saw someone not too long ago who was sharing with me they had been in Branson, Missouri, I've never been to Branson, Missouri. I don't know that I want to go, but maybe someday. I think when I think Branson, I think people who are older than I am. That might not be a right assumption. But anyway, I digress. So in Branson, Missouri, 
they were there seeing shows, and they saw Yakov Smirnov. Do you remember that guy? Yakov Smirnov? First of all, who knew he was still around? Because he was around like 35 years ago. But I looked him up online. He looks pretty good for being around as long as he has been. He has a show in Branson. But I remember back in the 80s, I guess, he had this little shtick he did. He was an immigrant from Ukraine where he just talked about coming here and he just thought, what a country and all the technology and all the opportunity and all the cool stuff and the novelties that we had. He would just say, what a country. And so one of my favorite shticks or bits of his is he talks about going to the grocery store and he says, I walk into the grocery store and of course he's got this very thick Eastern European accent. I walked into the grocery store and I saw powdered milk. You put the powder in a glass, you add water and you get milk. What a country. I saw powdered mashed potatoes. You put powder in a bowl and add water and you've got mashed potatoes. What a country. I saw powdered orange juice. You put the powder in a glass and you add water and you get orange juice. What a country. And then I saw baby powder and I thought, wow, what a country. And I love that. I think it's hilarious. But although I'm not really laughing right now. But anyway, I think it is hilarious. It's very um, clever. But, you know, what he's observing is that things that are powdered are instant. You know, you get this powder and you can instantly have something produced from that powder. And a lot of us just want to have life to be like powder. You know, powdered dreams, powdered success, powdered faith, powdered relationships. It's just all going to come easy and immediately. And the truth is the notion of remaining with Christ means we stick with him in times like these that are very, very difficult. See, I think a lot of us have very narrow margins in our lives to include loving God and loving other people. You know, what a margin is, a margin space that you can kind of move into. It's kind of empty space, an open space, it's available space. A lot of us, if you think about your life having margins, a lot of our margins are, are teeny tiny margins. We just don't have the energy, we don't have the time, we don't have the resources, we just don't... We just don't have the margins. And what I'm wondering is, maybe during this time of interruption, extraordinary times, to give extraordinary opportunity, maybe God's widening your margins a little bit and widening my margins. Maybe he's giving us a little more time, a little more flexibility, a little more freedom, a little less that we have to do, fewer places where we have to go. And maybe as our margins are being widened by God, the opportunity to bear much fruit is there. I mean, you think about this, the parable of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, just to paraphrase it very briefly, there's a guy that's on the side of the road bleeding to death. All these religious people walk past him. They don't take care of him. In fact, they head to the other side of the street. They don't want anything to do with him. And then this man who is a Samaritan, which is a group of people sort of, uh, in terms of ethnicity outside the, the chosen elect of God. He's this Samaritan. And he sees this guy suffering, and he picks him up, and he takes him to an inn, and he makes sure the innkeeper takes care of him. He pays his bill, and the man is obviously made well. And as I read that story, what occurs to me is those religious folks, they had very narrow margins. They had places they had to go and people they had to see and things to do. They didn't have time. They didn't have room. The Samaritan, on the other hand, had a wider margin. He had more room to reach out, more space to minister to that person, 
maybe in this extraordinary time, God is giving you and me wider margins. So it is an extraordinary time, and I'm glad that we got to spend about 20 minutes together. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for our churches. I'm praying for you as you're part of this podcast. And I also pray that when I sit down in this chair next Saturday, that um, we see this coronavirus under control, the numbers going down, and people returning to their normal lives. But I also pray that we'll look back on the week that was and realize God gave me a wide margin and God asked me to bear much fruit. And I was able to do that because I abided in Christ. You have a great week now. I'll see you next time. Thanks.